Welcome to Bookish at Bethel. This is Carrie Peffley, and I teach in the philosophy department here, and I'm joined by Anne-Marie Koistra. I teach in the history department. And today, we're going to be talking to Emma Martin, who is the director of the Humanities II Shakespeare performance. Uh, this January, we're doing Henry V, so she's going to join us today to talk a little bit about Henry V, uh, directing it, and Shakespeare in general. So we have Emma Martin today with us. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Emma is directing Shakespeare for us uh, during interim. And Emma, um, do you want to just give our listeners a little rundown of some of the plot of Henry V? Yes, absolutely. So Henry V is one big pep talk, in my opinion. (laughs) Um, Basically, Henry is out to get um, what is rightfully his, um, being the French court, French lands, France in general. Um, And he does so by going up against the French in battle. And eventually, um, despite the odds, they are outnumbered one to five. The English still win. And then Henry marries Catherine and all is well. Is that pretty good? That's pretty good. Okay. That's a great summary. So um, the producer of this show, Sam Mulberry, has likened Henry V to really um, a sports movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Could you – would you elaborate on how it might be seen in some ways as as a sports movie or a sports play? Of course. So in a lot of sports movies, you have the – the buildup of the small team that is, you know, maybe run down. They don't have the best equipment and they're just trying to make it to win one game. And then after their first win, they're building up and they're getting support. And then eventually they get to this champion game and by like just a point, they somehow win and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. So in the same way, Henry V. He has small numbers, and he really doesn't have a likelihood of winning, but he is determined beyond belief. He gives, like, so many different monologue messages, um, just telling his soldiers that, you know, they've got this, that they're ready to just go into the charge, and he's just trying to pump them up the whole play, Mm -hmm. basically. Um, That's why I call it a pep talk play. (laughs) And so, um, anyway, so... Uh, we have them, you know, especially in Acts 3 and 4, they're going in and out between battle scenes and s- things don't seem to be going well throughout the process. And But then eventually we get to a point where the French are suddenly scared that they're going to be losing. And, um, and then we finally get to the end where they've won the battle, even though the odds were against them. And so, you know, in the same way relating to a sports movie, they're being pup- pepped up the whole time. And then despite all odds, they win in the end. Mm -hmm. And there is that great, in the same way in a sports movie, you would have them like winning at the last minute by one point. You have Henry not even being sure whether or not they've won. And then finding out they've only lost 25 people on the English side, whereas the French have lost thousands. But Mm -hmm. they don't even know that Mm -hmm. that's how. And that's why he declares, by God, thy arm was here, Mm -hmm. because... He's thankful to God, like, how could we have won this? But we did. It's the miracle at Agincourt instead of the miracle on ice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you for laughing at that. I appreciate that. So really, um, King Henry is really like a good sports coach then, right? In this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I mean, 
he's got the speech about St. Crispian's Day, and there's a moment where he's talking with his soldiers, and um, he directs to, I believe it's Westmoreland, uh, who is doubting that they're even going to be able to um, win the battle. He's like, there's no way that we can keep going and that this is going to be a win for us. But after Henry gives his speech, um, telling them that you know, we're going to stand up one day and be like, these are the scars I got from these wars mm-hmm. because uh, we fought that battle and we won. And as he's riling them up, um, by the end of it, Westmoreland is like, yes, let's go into the battle. And he's like, oh, you changed your mind. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. To the point where Westmoreland's like, well, honestly, right now, I feel as if you and I, Henry, could just fight this whole battle on our own. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a great scene. That's actually incidentally my scene. <laughs> In your, yeah. in your act. Yeah. Act full. Yeah. There are so many amazing speeches that Henry gives. Indeed. Do you have a favorite? Way. I mean, you mentioned that one, but... Oh, man. Crispian's Day is really good, but um, Up to the Breach mm-hmm. is just kind of a classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that one's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And is that is that Act 3? Yep. Yes, Act 3. Yeah. Where they're mm-hmm. about to go... To Harfleur. 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 It's like, I believe it's the very first one uh-huh. that Henry gives... And, you know, it's just the spark that starts them all off. Of, right. All right. This is our time. Right. We're going to go into this mess and it's going to be a mess. But yeah. is that the one is where he's telling them to like have their nas- nostrils flared like something and they're like greyhounds waiting in the slips or yep, something? That's the one. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Well, and I like that part, too, because after the battle, even though they haven't like fully demolished the town, they, then he has that weird speech. Right. Yes. With the is it the mayor of Harfleur? Yes. Uh-huh. Technically the governor. governor. The governor. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. The governor of Harfleur, where he basically says, "Now you can um, accept the mercy I'm offering you, or, or we're going to put your baby's heads on pikes <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and dash really them against the rocks, like <laughs> super brutal." So I'm not sure if the sports analogy. I'm looking at Sam now. If that totally holds up, I don't know if they get that brutal in in the sports movies. It's the moment of hubris, right, when they go too far. Okay. Yeah, right. where they get hubris. too prideful. Yeah, okay. they yeah. let that get to the best yep. of them. And mm-hmm. I, the more I think about the sports movie thing, the more I also think you've also got in the French, right, the great opposing team. Oh, that's yes. very they're wealthy. They're up mm-hmm. on themselves. They've always mm-hmm. won. Super mm-hmm. cocky and yeah. prideful of what they can do. They're like it's the rich school and henry's kids are the poor school (laughs) right yeah well i mean the french are great in this Mm -hmm. play because they are i kept telling my um dauphin that really he was in some ways like the lex luther character right like you just you you love a good villain and Mm -hmm. if you could play that up like that would be better because he is i think he's the villain even more than the french king right oh totally um whenever i like direct the dauphin i think a mix between a fearless leader, but also an angsty teenager. Like he kind of wants to please the French king, show that he can do this stuff, that Mm -hmm. he's capable because there is a part like in the French court where the French king tells him to stay behind. And he's like, no way. I want to show that I'm worthy. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's definitely more the villain, I think, because he wants his way and he thinks he knows what's best. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the French king seems to be very austere. Right. Holds it together. Right. I wonder, too, like, in some ways, the Dauphin reminds me of what we think 
that young Harry was like from. Yeah. True. Right? That's a good connection. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. Well, I, 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 <laughs> I, feel, I feel like very validated in this podcast so far. So. Right. That's, that's because exciting. we know that Henry, before becoming king, he was very reckless and rebellious mm-hmm. and quite the quite the troublemaker. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and I think, too, this play is very interesting because, as I was pointing out to my students, there is a part where the the war is over and things aren't really great for Pistol. And so right. that's kind of an interesting comment, too, that while Henry has achieved glory for himself and for his kingdom, in some ways, like, the war hasn't made that much of a difference in the lives of the, the common folks. Mm-hmm, and you right. sort of wonder what Shakespeare was trying to say to his listening mm. audience there. I don't know. Yeah, I think Pistol is a really important character because, and even like Williams and Bates, mm-hmm. like the common soldiers are really critical characters because you see that the war really sucks for them because they're the ones who are carrying it out. Though right. the, you know, the the royalty are fighting too, they don't necessarily have to be on the front lines. Mm-hmm. Um, they can have the, the soldiers go before them. And, Um, I think Shakespeare was trying to point out that the commoners get it bad. The commoners get it rough. And um, though, like, the the conquering of the land is significant to the nobility, you're right. It doesn't really change anything for um, the commoners because Mm -hmm. they're already interacting with, you know, French and English speakers normally. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, and he's willing to sacrifice those characters too right. for the They're sake expendable. of, yep, for, um, you know, holding to the game rules of war. So, I mean, isn't Bardoff and Nim both die? Mm-hmm. Which is yep. kind of sad. So, Pistol is really sad. I Pistol, like them. Yeah. yeah, Pistol is alone at the end and he yeah. sort of and makes, he finds out his wife His is wife is dead too. as well. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, there's some very interesting kind of commentary, I think, mm-hmm. that if students sort of delve deeper into, they can get to that. Definitely. So here's, I am dying to ask Emma <laughs> about Catherine, oh, right? I'm yes. dying. So we have this um, sports movie, right? <laughs> or Henry V. And so we've got like the battle is won. They've achieved victory over the nasty opposing rich team. Yep. But then we conclude the play with this weird <laughs> wooing scene. Uh-huh. Can you just say more about that or what you think is going on in that scene? Or, In my personal opinion, yes. I think that Catherine is not necessary for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that, you know, a way that kingdoms are united and countries are united is the the union of two people from either country. Mm-hmm. So I get that picture. But Shakespeare, why didn't he incorporate her more throughout mm-hmm. the play if she was right. a significant role? Um, like we also have, you know, the random French scene where just Alice and Catherine are just talking in French and trying to figure out English words. So we're like, what's with that? And I think his purpose behind it was just giving a glimpse into, um, you know, the, what we would deem the evil side or the bad side, Mm -hmm. but with good characters, Mm -hmm. like Alice and Catherine are good people, um, who don't really have any touch with the war they don't have any part of it um but just showing that you know both sides are coming from a place of wanting the better for their kingdom mm-hmm. um but it, so who's to say you know which one is more right or more wrong than the other 
Um, as far as Catherine, again, I like it's like I get why she's there, but I wish for the reason she was there that there would be more of her because it's sure. just so random that you're like, oh, and suddenly we have Henry trying to woo Catherine. Um, he wasn't chasing her the whole play. Mm-hmm. It was just at the end, like, oh, I love you, Catherine. And the audience is like, wait, what? Yeah, well, <laughs> We had no idea. Because <laughs> even within that scene, some of my students, as we were discussing it, just couldn't adjust in their own heads from he's talking about Catherine as his principal demand in the negotiations to then, oh, and by the way, I love you. Like, wait, <laughs> am I taking you or do I love you? What do we right. make of, of Henry's attitude and, and quick shift mm-hmm. in yeah. that scene? And part of it just might be Shakespeare wanted to incorporate a little bit of a love story mm-hmm. in like every show. Um, but it, if it was supposed to be a love story, it's it's kind of fallen short. <laughs> no, is Catherine the obligatory um, cheerleader? Because <laughs> that's, that's a disturbing thought. I'm going to be yeah. honest about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're talking sports movies, granted, the love story usually isn't the main no, overhaul right. plot. No. But it's there, you know, mm-hmm. lingering. There's, you know, usually the the captain of the team, right, right. like, gets the girl at mm-hmm. the end. Um, and so maybe it was, like, you know, it's kind of that theme as well. Mm-hmm. But still in like a sports movie, you would see the girl like here and there. Right. right. What's hard about this one particularly is that there are only two scenes with Catherine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I th- only one with Ka- Catherine and Henry together. Right. right. Yeah. And I think in like the traditional sports movie, the presence of the cheerleader is there kind of to enhance the testosterone of yeah. the men. <laughs> Definitely. But I think what's so interesting though in Shakespeare is that she is forcing him into playing by her rules there at the end, which is, I mean, I know it's mm-hmm. not, it's not, I'm not trying to make some sort of feminist argument here about Catherine, <laughs> but it is interesting that for a while there, he has to woo her in her language mm-hmm. for yeah. a time. Yeah. So. And she is making, I mean, she's saying things like, oh, he's like, he's being deceptive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The tongues of the men, they are I'm deceitful. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, perhaps part of it is, um, does Henry necessarily have to marry to unite the kingdoms? I don't know. Maybe I'm it's sure. a, a matter of like, hey, I don't, I know we don't have to, but I would like us to be on good terms. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to convince her, like, I think we could be a great match. Right. <laughs> well, certainly easier. Strategically, that would make sense if yeah. he could marry right. somebody who is in the line. Mm-hmm. To secure his dominance over the right. foreign territory, as we learned in Machiavelli, that yes. you know, if you're not going to demolish the bloodline entirely, it's good to um, have some continuity. Right, right. <laughs> you at least work your way into the bloodline. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we learn yeah. he loses it all. Yeah, he does. Like he dies so quickly after that, mm-hmm. and Henry the Sixth loses everything. Yeah, and it was kind so of like that. It's not just <laughs> bad for the commoners. No one got anything out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But isn't that life, you know, <laughs> just gone in one second. <laughs> oh, so hard to rule the kingdoms, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So difficult to maintain it's a hard one's job, man. Yeah, for Real sure. Hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do you want to say more about Henry V? Because I could change the topic. Oh, shift. Well, so I'm wondering, Emma, let's just say you were in charge of humanities, too. You were in charge. Yeah. And you got to choose whatever Shakespeare play you wanted to. 
any any yeah. shake yeah any yeah, and it, it was like yeah what what oh, would you choose man, and no. why do you think it would be a good humanities selection i know and emma's now thinking so i'll, yes. I'll tap tanks oh man that's here that's hard um part of me would okay so one of my favorite shows that i think is so like compelling is Othello Mm -hmm. granted like you do need to have diversity for that show but Mm -hmm. it's so um I don't know if it's particularly driven for humanities per Mm -hmm. se but I think it's a really good show as far as our culture today Mm -hmm. and um you know just the you know differences in culture and race and gender and all the issues we deal with today like I think that's a really important one um i would never do romeo and juliet but similarly to like how in romeo and juliet we have the two families fighting over basically nothing like just pointing out those values of like hey it's important to see the perspective of somebody else because Mm -hmm. um like everybody has their own journey Mm -hmm. and uh but we all are going on a journey together in a sense too so Mm. um othello would be amazing but um for more humanities themed, I guess, um, I would be interested to do another one of the Henrys, like Henry IV. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, see more of the rebellious side of Henry right. and introduce the characters in that show. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I could, I could go on. I love Shakespeare. <laughs> I'm gonna mm-hmm. a nerd in that way. <laughs> I just watched Henry IV Part One, mm-hmm. the Hollow Crown version that we have our students yes. watch Henry V. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. Love Very Crown. interesting story. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you have a thought on that, Carrie? Well, so actually, so as I was watching some of the Hollow Crowns, I realized so Benedict Cumberbatch plays Richard the oh, Third in yes. the Hollow Crown, and I love <laughs> Richard the Third. And I thought, actually, for like for teaching in comparison with Machiavelli, oh yeah, that's a good Richard one. the Third would be good too. Yeah, yeah. So that's that would probably be my interesting. Is Richard the Third the one where like uh, one of the characters gets his eyes? Yeah, gouged out. Yes. Oh, I saw that at the Guthrie. Oh, it was intense. Yeah, it's very (laughs) intense. But it's great because Richard III, like, talks to the audience and tells us, like, all of the evil things that he's going to do. It's just so great. Yeah. It'll be fun to do. I love that you chose that one, Carrie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Carrie Pathley's choice, Richard yep. III. What about you? What would you do? I think because uh, we study the Romans in Humanities One, mm-hmm. I'm a little intrigued with Julius Caesar. Oh, oh sure. Yeah. Just because, mm-hmm. again, it sort of ties into, like, what it takes to be a good ruler right. and that kind of a thing. I True. don't know. It's not my favorite of the Shakespeare mm-hmm. plays, but... Um, Still brings that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. But and I also I really like Hamlet. <laughs> I love Hamlet. <laughs> to be or not to be, Carrie. <laughs> that, that is, that is, that is, is a question. piece of work, but it's a lovely show. <laughs> yep. Carrie was going to say something, though. Oh, I was just going to say that would connect very, very nicely, too, if we have our students watch Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Right. Hamlet would be a great um, a great connector for that. Sure. So many options. I know. So many good options. Um, for students or listeners interested in Shakespeare um, or just the world of theater, are there any just books or plays you would say – hey, you should give this a whirl when you're not watching the Hollow Crown series. Yeah, I love the Hollow Crown, by the way. Um, As far as recommendations, um, you know, Shakespeare can be really hard when you haven't studied the text because, you know, he writes in a weird way and it's hard to understand Mm -hmm. everything um, up front. Um, But if you're just starting out and you're interested – 
No Fear Shakespeare has scripts where they have like one side with the original text and one side with Mm -hmm. a contemporary text. Um, So you can read along with a contemporary and just like read the story that way. Um, Because a lot of his plots are super fun. Like all of his comedies are hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just because they're called comedies, but it's a lot of like, (laughs) you know, love triangles and love squares really. Mm -hmm. Like uh, this person loves this person who loves this person. Um, And you've got like you know, women dressing up as boys in hiding mm-hmm. and like, or, or the other way around. And there's just so much farce in his mm-hmm. comedy. Yeah. So they're just really enjoyable. Um, but I think the best way to experience Shakespeare is to watch it mm-hmm. because like, mm-hmm. that's, you know, what it was always meant for the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this group in particular called the Bard Shakes, and they're a bunch of U of M um, alumni, theater alumni. And they get together every like, I think it's two months. Um, it's kind of varied because they're not like, they're not a professional theater. They're just a group of people coming together. Um, but they meet um, in this restaurant and they just clear the chairs to the walls and everybody sits along the edge and then they they themselves rehearse for one day and then they perform for all of these people. <sighs> And what they'll do is they'll have one person who's on their prompter, so they can call line. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, like, laid back in that sense. But they just own their characters. Like, when I went to one last week, it was Twelfth Night. Like, I could have sworn it was professional. Like, wow. they did so well. Wow. And, then you know, it's, like, no set because you're just, like, right. performing in the middle. Um, but because it was, like, so intimate, that's, like, such a Shakespeare context. Mm-hmm. And it was just – I had never – like, I've seen that play so many times, but mm-hmm. I had never laughed so hard at that play before because it was just, like, just having everybody surrounded and, like, having fun. Like, oh, my gosh, that was wonderful. So probably just seeing Shakespeare is the best mm-hmm. way to experience it. Um, but then I would also recommend the No Fear Shakespeare mm-hmm. if you want to read some. Nice. And our students will be going to see Twelfth Night mm-hmm. at the Guthrie. Next so. Oh, awesome. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do you want to so ask? The, it, it's, it's the nightstand. It's that time, it's that time. Of, of our podcast where we ask our guests, what else are you reading besides this all-encompassing thing that's occupying all of our minds? What's, right on, what's your on your night's, nightstand? Yeah, what's on your Ooh, nightstand? Like anything? anything. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, what I've been reading recently is uh, Everybody Always by Bob Goff. Mm-hmm. Um, I just finished his book, Love Does, um, and Everybody Always is his second book. So He came um, here to speak. He did he? come here to speak. I, I remember that as a student, and um, he's just a, such a fun guy. His main way of um, like teaching and just even evangelizing as a Christian is just uh, – telling stories. Mm. So I really love his books because each chapter is like a story, a story. and then he draws it back to um, the point he was trying to make. So that's been one that I've been reading uh, as of late. Um, otherwise, I'm currently enrolled in a children's literature class Ooh. right now. So I've been reading um, cool. some kids books, which has been kind of a fun what's, experience. What's been a favorite one? Well, I don't know that it's a favorite, but the most recent one was The Magic School Bus Into the Human Body. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to say, I was kind of overwhelmed. It's like there's so much imagery going on. Oh. And um, like there's like notebooks like oh. written, like like the students' notes as they're like learning or um, there's like little commentary bubbles. Mm. And I, I think like um, – you know, as an adult, I'm so re- used to reading through a story linear- mm-hmm. linearly, and like this was just like all over the place. But 
I do understand the author's intent was like because they want the kids to be exploring the pages, sure. like exploring science. I get that, but it was still a headache for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's what I've been reading. What's on your nightstand, Carrie? So I have been, and I'm about three quarters of the way through Handmaid's Tale, oh, yeah. which is very depressing, which I knew because I'm rereading it. So I also started, I'm, I'm reading a bit of that and then a bit of Michelle Obama's Becoming oh. every night before bed. For, so a little pick-me-up encouraging story. Sure. So I've just started that two nights ago. Mm-hmm. Good. And what How about you? That one? Oh, sorry. Oh, it's, it's very good. I mean, I'm yeah. only in the, the opening chapter, so she's describing her childhood, but she okay. describes it in very, I mean, she's a good storyteller. Hmm. Um, it's described in really beautiful and vivid terms. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, I am reading Julie Schumacher's book, Dear Committee Members. Hmm. Um, So I actually was talking with Sam last week and said that he might enjoy it because uh, Julie Schumacher, by the way, is at the University of Minnesota in their creative writing um, program. Mm -hmm. So she's local, which is always fun. This book is a Satire. Um, so it's yes. following the career of this guy, Jason Fitger, I think. Uh, and he, the, the book is just letters of recommendation that he's written on behalf of students or mm-hmm. other Funny. people from his English department or huh. letters to the dean. And really, though, the sub, the subtext, which is, I mean, it's very obvious is the English department is in a building that is inhabited also by the economics department and they are by far the favored department. Sure. So like, they're getting a huge overhaul, remodel of their floors <laughs> on the building, but the English department hasn't even been moved out. And it's mm-hmm. kind of a almost, I mean, it's funny, but it's also a very like true story about how maybe the arts and humanities aren't as valued as they could be. Mm-hmm. Amen. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's also hilarious and witty and um, wonderful. Okay. Yeah. So I'd recommend it. High praise. Yeah. Well, and she's got another book called The Shakespeare Requirement, where it's dealing with the internal politics of the English department and this, whether or not to keep the The Shakespeare Shakespeare requirement, et cetera, et cetera. So that's actually quite relevant as well. Very cool. Have you ever seen the play, uh, The Complete Works of William Shakespeare Abridged? No. Yes, I did do that <laughs> once. Well, if you get the chance, mm-hmm. you should see it. Okay. Um, it's all of the Shakespeare's in one play. That sounds fantastic. And it's a comedy because how could it not be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, that's another insight if you're looking to see a glimpse of all of Shakespeare's yeah. works. It's a three-man show, and it's hilarious. Yeah. It shows up in the Twin Cities every once in a while. Yeah. you can. All, there's a DVD copy out there somewhere, too. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Sounds good. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening. Yes, you've been listening to Bookish at Bethel.